everybody. Welcome back to the Max and Mick podcast. We're going to talk Alabama football. We're going to talk college football. What happened in the SEC, some big games this weekend in the Big Ten, what the college football playoff might look like, and we've got the standings coming out Tuesday as far as the computers will go for that college football playoff. Great to talk with Coach Max Howe. Again, I'm Mick Gillespie with BamaInsider.com. This uh, is our weekly Sunday chat. Max, what's up, man? How you doing? We're doing great. Uh, at least we had some ball games to watch yesterday. You know, last week we don't think it is to see. We had three last uh, yesterday. We had six, so that was an improvement. Now the quality, uh, that's debatable. <laughs> we saw some good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, if you'd like to get into that, we'll, I'll be happy to address that as well. Well, let, let's talking about bad, I mean, Alabama badly defeated Kentucky 63-3. to They're now 7-0, number one in the country. And obviously, this is Bama Insider. We cover Alabama. Um, I was impressed with Alabama more than I was looking at Kentucky and thinking that they were bad. Alabama's Mac Jones came out. Devontae Smith set the uh, SEC and the school record for the most touchdowns ever. And um, I thought that Chase McClellan, the the backup running back, the freshman that came in and ran the football for 99 yards at the end of the game, was also a big bright spot for Alabama. No, I don't think he's any doubt. I, you know, I think the Sanders kid going down for the second time, and he missed all last year, and now he's going down again with another injury. It gave uh, – an opportunity to play some. The Williams kid out of Birmingham got a chance to, to run some. And I, you know, the thing impressed me mostly, that, and I know a lot about Coach Saban and his philosophy. He's got more of an NFL philosophy than most coaches. And he doesn't usually play those subs, those twos and threes, till the fourth quarter. Well, he had some of those guys in there. I know the offensive linemen, a couple of those guys came in, in the second quarter, and most all of them played the third and fourth quarter. So I, I think, in all fairness, Maybe Alabama used that, you know, not only to protect their starters, but give those younger kids an opportunity. And I think probably what happened with Kentucky, just an observation, is they've been beat down now. Uh, the Wilson kid came back as a quarterback, and he did okay, but he's he's not uh, a caliber I think they can totally win with. And, and I think, uh, you know, the game got away from them. You know, that last touchdown was well, a, pick, a pick six and ran it in the end zone. Uh, but Alabama certainly, in comparison, I guess I probably touched in on maybe a half a dozen ball games yesterday. Uh, Alabama by far looked the best of any team I saw. He's Max Howe. I'm Mick Gillespie. This is the Max and Mick podcast, BamaInsider.com. Thanks for downloading and checking us out. Uh, look, it's the Iron Bowl week. Max, you, you grew up in Alabama. You know about this one. Auburn played Tennessee on Saturday. I don't know that they were looking ahead. Tennessee could have won the football game. It was a 30-17 to final. Tennessee at one point yep. was up 10-0. Um, Auburn just, to me, can do some things, but they got some problems as well because that Tennessee team's not very good. No, it's not. And, and I think even more so, it seemed like they can get a, they can get a, a half in, but the wheels came off against when Tennessee played Georgia. And then they came off again yesterday when they played Auburn in that second half more so than ever. And I don't know where it's the lack of depth uh, on the t- – I don't know what it is, but that's that's very true. And Auburn didn't take advantage of that either, by the way. I'll say this, just an, again, an observation. You let Auburn play like they did Saturday, and Alabama score what they want to. Uh, and I don't know what the line probably hadn't come out yet, but I'm going to say it's going to be 15, 18 points at least, and Alabama probably win by three or four touchdowns the way I saw both teams play yesterday. 
Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that that's kind of what Alabama and Nick Saban want to see after the way they lost to Auburn last year. But we'll stick with this past week's games. Georgia with JT Daniels at quarterback. Just got by Mississippi State. Give Mike Leach and the boys some credit because they had the lead in that game and they hung in there 31-24. Uh, 13th-ranked Georgia just doesn't quite look dominant anymore, but they did get the win. Well, they did, and uh, I don't. if you looked at the stats, did you see what their rushing yards were? Eight yards wow. total rushing yards. Uh, yeah, no, they, they, they played a team that was one and four and probably shouldn't. If they played LSU again, they wouldn't beat them. Uh, played, the, played the game, by the way. I think the SEC rule says you have to have 54 scholarship players available to dress unless the opposing team State had 49, by the way, uh, scholarship players playing last night. So they were, you know, they played that first bunch all they had. And I, 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 I agree with you. I think they, they gave a, a quite a good showing. That was a freshman quarterback in Will Rogers. Uh, they had uh, over 300 yards passing against the vaulted defense. It's supposed to be one of the top defenses in the country at Georgia. Uh, JT Daniels probably will give them a spark because he can throw the football. And I thought he, I thought he looked very poised. I believe they said he hadn't played since 2019, but when he tore his knee up at Southern Cal. But I thought he was very poised, and I think he is an answer for them. I don't know if he's the answer, but they've already lost two ball games, so they're out of the playoff competition. So uh, I think you know they they need to try to win out and uh, get ready. Here's a, a great question I was posed this morning, though: Is Daniels is a senior now? He's got one year eligibility left. Does he return to Georgia? Or does he wait to see what the NFL says about him coming on and going in the draft? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, 28 to 38, 401 yards and four touchdowns yesterday for Georgia. And you, you got to figure that it, it isn't even a guarantee that he'd be the starter at Georgia next year, right? I mean, right. It, but, yeah. but he probably would be, but maybe not, you know, depending on who they end up with. And that, that – I'm sure for transfer quarterbacks is going to be a, a well <laughs> a destination where a lot of guys are going to want to go. That's all they needed this year. They didn't have it, and it cost them. That's very true, and and I, I think what I think the, and the but the word now circulating around is some there on the communication with quarterbacks because look, uh, Kirby Smart has not handled quarterbacks very well. Go back to the Eason guy that got that transferred away. They brought you know they brought. The, at that time, they brought in Jake Fromm. I don't think he improved at all for three years. Then they let Justin Fields get away, who's a you know the quarterback at Ohio State now. Then they let the, the kid from Wake Forest walk on him, uh, and then then they got JT Daniels, and this is the first game he's played. Uh, so I don't know whether it was a health problem. It appeared that that you know he wasn't completely healthy in that situation. So I say all that to you to say uh, some quarterback that might could help that program if. Daniels decides to go on, may be a little reluctant uh, to jump into Georgia program. Yeah, good good point. LSU with a win yesterday. They had the, the COVID issues and had some games. Uh, obviously, the game with Alabama was uh, was postponed. That they've got to make up a game against Florida. But they were an underdog to Arkansas, and they went to Arkansas and won the football game 27-24. It was a pretty good game for them, and they, they outlasted Felipe Franks. And an Arkansas team that has um, that has played some pretty good football. I thought that for LSU, 
uh, that 27-24 win on Saturday was one that they needed. They're now three and three. Arkansas is three and five on the year. Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with you. I, I think the the Finley kid came along, and he's a young freshman, and I watched part of that ball game, and he's very poised for a freshman. He's a big kid, six six, two fifty, can run and throw uh, as a pure freshman. So, I, I, evidently, he's got the job. I, I think when you look at the roster, regardless of how LSU's done and being up until now, they've got more talent than Arkansas. And I think that the, I think the line flipped. I think it was, it was LSU, then it flipped to Arkansas by one or two, then it flipped back maybe to one. It was a pick 'em ball game all the way. Right. And, of course, they came away with a 27-24 win uh, in that ball game. But I, I thought it was entertaining. I didn't watch the whole game, but – I got in and watched a quarter or two of that one. and uh, But LSU started to show signs of what we're accustomed to see LSU to be. Uh, now, whether they get a chance to play the Alabama makeup game or not, you know, I think it's been set for the, for the 5th of December. And uh, But we're going to have makeup games now. It looks like I think the biggest situation, the sad situation, and we'll get out of the SEC quickly, but for Clemson, the flight of Tallahassee, Get put up, go to get ready to go to the dinner meeting on Friday night, and they get a call from the athletic department say the game's going to be called off. Now, to me, that's that's not responsibility in, as far as the fiscal part of the game. Uh, in my opinion, Florida State should have to pay uh, for their for their trip down there and back to Clemson part that the you know fault that they had to cancel the game. So I, I just think that all that being said. Uh, plays is going to play a major role when we actually get down to the top four teams in the country. It's going to play for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're almost going to have to put those guys in a bubble like the NBA did. That's right, and like baseball did for the uh, postseason to make sure that those those games happen. Um, just kind of rounding out the SEC. Uh, Florida struggled a little bit against Vanderbilt. You got to give yeah. the Commodores credit because it, you you talked about COVID a second ago in this COVID era. It would be real easy to just say, you know what, we're not going to try very hard because we're 0-6 or now Vanderbilt's 0-7. But that just hasn't been the case, you know. Uh, I talked to Tom Hart on Friday, the uh, SEC Network broadcaster, and he was talking about some teams maybe trying to avoid uh, playing games and and maybe, you know, using COVID as an excuse – um, not to play, sure. and he said, you, know, you take a look at Vandy, you know, they're, they're the, the worst team in the league record-wise, and yet they go out there each and every week and fight hard, and they haven't had any issues, and look, they're 0-7, uh, they lose 38-17 to against Florida, but, um, you know, there's no quit in this team, and I could give them a lot of credit. It is, I, I agree, and I think what's tragic is, is that, uh, you know, Derek Mason, without a doubt, because of his overall one-loss record there, uh, is literally on, on the terminology. He's on the hot seat. Uh, but the, his team played. I thought. I, I thought they. When you say Vanderbilt and Owen six going into that one, you know, don't think very much. But I watched that ball game. Uh, now I, I got to say that the defensive side of the ball for, for Florida didn't show up. Uh, they just and I don't. I'm wondering sometimes, Big, if in a program like a, let's just take a Florida, are they playing up or down to their competition? Uh, it's extremely hard. I, I spent a long time at that level, and it's extremely hard when you have a talented bunch. <laughs> when he, when they, to get them up every week, when they watch the tape of all the games they've lost, and those kids psychologically say, you know, we just go out there. Our talent level's way much, you know, much better than they are. 
you know, we'll score enough to win, uh, but we don't have to look good doing it. But you know, I that, to me that's that, that's taking a shortcut. You know, I I like to I'm my position always on the kids that I was involved with. I want a hundred percent out of every snap, or if not, sit over here on the bench and watch, and I'll get somebody else in there that can do it. But we saw Florida, you know, Florida played well enough to win. The offense clicked. Trash threw three more touchdowns uh, yesterday. I think he's at thirty-one now, but. The team itself didn't play as a football team. And Coach, and Coach Mullins afterwards said, hey, you know, we, we line up against a good team. And I know he was talking about Alabama in the conference game that they're going to play in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. Uh, they play like that, they'll get beat unmercifully. Uh, Nick Saban's team is as good as I've seen, and they will absolutely take Florida apart if, if they perform like they did yesterday. Kyle Trask, uh, you, you mentioned it, three more touchdowns, 383 yards, 26 to 35. That's a great game. And, <laughs> like, yep. well, that's, it's not that as good as the weeks past, but um, I, I put him maybe as the favorite now, even ahead of Mac Jones and, and Justin Fields and poor Trevor Lawrence can't get on the field because of COVID. Um, and, and all yep. of a sudden now Kyle Trask is the guy. All right, wrapping up the SEC. Missouri was a 17-10 winner over South Carolina. Uh, the Tigers were three and three. South Carolina's two and six. But to me, the story is who's going to be the next coach at South Carolina. I thought it was interesting that Steve Spurrier was talking about, hey, that that, that firing um, Will Muschamp was a surprise to him. I don't know if you talked to your old football coach, but you know he made that comment. I thought that was interesting. And uh, Hugh Freeze, who's actually uh, lost once this year, lost a thriller, got a, yep. a, a field goal blocked at the end of the game against NC State. He says that you know he's not going to Carolina. I know coaches sometimes say that. But the guy that I'm kind of keeping an eye on is Jamie Chadwell, the coach of Coastal Carolina. They won again. They had a thriller. Yep. And for the first time in their program's history, they beat Georgia Southern, right? Or No, no, sorry, Appy State. They, the Georgia Southern and Appy State kind of play that same style. But they beat Appy State. Yep. And um, they're the first team in Sunbelt history to go 8-0. And, uh, and, you know, they're ranked. I mean, they're going to go up in the rankings again, and he's already in South Carolina coaching. Maybe he's the guy sure. that comes in and, and takes over that program and uh, competes with Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting the, the way that, you know, that they go as far as administration is concerned. Because another name I'm hearing right now that will jump out at you is Skip Holt, uh, Lou's son, and he's at uh, Louisiana Tech right now and has been. Uh, he was on the staff with his dad at South Carolina. Knows a lot of people over there, and, uh, and I don't know whether that's just an outside shot publicity. I have no idea. But I, I've, I've really I've watched the Coastal Carolina team before, and uh, they they're talented and they're well coached and they play hard. And as you said, you know they already have uh, access to recruiting in the state of South Carolina. That may be a natural fit. And and the other side of that is. The, the salary situation, they just had to write a check of $13.5 million uh, for Muschamp, and they're going to have to pay the next guy probably at least. If, if they go that route with Coastal Carolina, they probably can get you know get one for probably four. Uh, but then they're going to have to put another four with that for assistant coaches. So they're getting ready to spend a bunch of money, is it's what I'm saying. Uh, but And I think that will maybe play a role in who they go after. But they've had Steve Spurrier and they've had Lou Holtz. It, it, it really, the only two teams that's really had a lot of 
success in the last 10 or 15 years yeah. uh, with those two. So I don't know that they've got the financial resources to go back now and reach at that level or not. So dropping to Coastal Carolina or to Louisiana Tech might be their main option right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And with COVID and not having fans in the stadium, they, right. there better be yes. a backup plan on making money because even, you know, with these games being canceled, you know, every time the SEC doesn't get a check because the games haven't been played, that's less money to go around, you know. And then how many bowl there games are there? And that's more uh, another check. And we didn't play the tournament last year in basketball. That's another check. So, you know, the salaries may be going down a little bit. I, you know, Tennessee asked some of their coaches to take a pay cut, um, you know, just trying to pay the bills. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm guessing that uh, South Carolina has some kind of a game plan. They're definitely ahead of the rest of the pack here uh, because they fired their coach during the season. All right, let's switch gears. Well, What's up? Okay, quick, I'm okay, let me comment quick on the yeah. Tennessee situation. Uh, heard yesterday, you're right, that we're talking about coach, coaching, uh, cutting coaches' salary. There are two coaches at Tennessee that wouldn't take a cut, Jeremy Pruitt and Rick Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So, it, what, right. maybe they wait on – now Rick Sallet up there, Barnes is, but, you know, with all the rumors about Coach Pruitt, uh, he might say, hey, I better get all I can get while I can. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out tongue-in-cheek mainly, but – the fact is that I, I was surprised uh, that he chose not to take a, a cut in pay. Yeah, I think it could be with Jeremy Pruitt, too, something to do with the extension that he got. I, I, I've yeah, read I somewhere so. that there was some kind of deal with the extension that maybe uh, th- that he's going to get more money down the road. And I, I don't know. I, you know, those contracts are kind of – yeah, yeah, they're a little yeah. bit out of my out of my pay grade. But you're right, and, and he's under a lot of pressure. I mean, the team just hasn't seemed to get better. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if you put someone like a Hugh Freeze in Tennessee that they would quickly ascend to the top of the SEC. I mean, I, I look at the Vols and feel like they should be competing with Georgia and – uh, with Florida every year for, for um, you know, division championships. They should be going to Atlanta when Phil Fulmer was there. Um, the year before yep. they fired him, he was in Atlanta. So Tennessee, you know, maybe they weren't as dominant as they were at one point with Fulmer. But since they fired Coach Fulmer, they just haven't been able to find uh, consistent success. They have a fan base of of, of people that are passionate about football and they have a great history and a great stadium and it's an awesome city in Knoxville. Uh, to me, it's just surprising to see how tough it is uh, for their program to bounce back. And I, and I just read a story about Gene Stallings leaving Alabama in 96. I was at my first Alabama game. Um, it was the 96 Iron Bowl and that was his last game that he, he, you know, resigned after the game. And he said it was uh, dealing with the administration, the, the athletic director and the, and the president. Um, and then after that, Alabama, you know, was terrible for a long time. You know, Tennessee got rid of Philip Fulmer. And I'm not saying that it's the uh, administration now. I mean, it's it's been, you know, the president and the athletic director, uh, totally different people. I mean, because Philip Fulmer's the athletic director. He was the guy that got fired. But Tennessee has not been – a program that anyone fears and also recruits want to go to since really since Philip Fulmer left there. Very true. Yeah. But I will I can speak to the point about administration. They've had three, they've had three college presidents, uh, 
three or four athletic directors and four coaches in the last 10 years wow. uh, up there. So it is internal. I can, I can assure you that. Now, the, the lack of – look, it's not the lack of funds. You know that biggest supporter are the Haslands, that, uh, the, who Bill is a governor of Tennessee, and his brother owns the, the Cleveland Browns, and uh, their income comes from pilot truck stops. Right. They own 400 pilot truck stops nationally. So they've got the money to do whatever they want to, but sometimes you get locked in on the administration, just like you heard Coach Stalin say, where he get, his hands are locked. He yeah. can't do anything. If that director gets frozen, then the president won't react because he's getting pressure from other places, or he's getting ready to go out and they interim. Look, Gus Malzahn got his contract with an interim athletic director and an interim president. So, see, all kinds of things can happen, and his buyout today is $21 million. So, uh, you know, it's, it's that internal politics at that level is uh, something you just read about. Let's just put it that way. Right, right. The one thing we learned at Alabama, though, through this, when, when Alabama went from a powerhouse with Gene Stallings to, you know, a, a team that, couldn't they, they were a lot like Tennessee I mean they didn't beat the rivals they won some games That's made right. a bowl game every once in a while but they they weren't elite anymore was the one thing that you legally can control is your head coach and if if you feel like Hugh Freeze is that that head coach that can come in and instantly turn things around which I do think he could do then you got to go out and spend the money I mean that's the the formula that Mal Moore uh set forth yep. and you know, when Alabama, uh, they, they I don't know if it was that they couldn't find the right coach. They certainly didn't find the right coach with, with Mike DuBose and with, uh, you know, Mike Price and Dennis Franchoni, who I thought did a decent job until he bolted after a couple of seasons. And, um, you know, and then all of a sudden you go out and you got Mike Shula, you know, you get you get. Uh, Nick Saban and everyone in that administration that was so bad at their jobs before all of a sudden became geniuses and and uh, everybody's sure. making money and you know everyone should be happy. That's what Tennessee's going to have well, to do to get things turned around, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I no, I absolutely agree. But sometimes I think you have to go through all of that before you find the the, the really the power brokers have to realize, hey. You know, we got to make, we got to give somebody full control, yeah. and that's what they did with Coach Saban. Uh, I mean, the other guys, you still had to, you know, the big guys walking in the coach's office and sitting down, want to chat and tell them how to run the program, and uh, it, it's it's really a, a program that, that has been at the top and falls. Ninety, I, I've written two or three papers on this and given a hundred speeches across the South, the Texas, the Southern Cows. I can just go to Oklahoma. All those teams that's been at the top before, and then they drop. It's always internal. Yeah, it always comes from a booster group or uh, the wrong president that you know wanting to move somewhere else. It's just it becomes a mess. And I, you you just cited the example at Alabama uh, until they got the right guy. Yeah, and then but I do think you have to hit the bottom sometimes before you find the right guy. Yeah, well, you brought up something too, and I mean, Nick Saban's probably never going to admit it publicly, but I don't, I don't think he was a big fan of Bill Battle there for a while, and you know, Bill Battle was the <laughs> athletic director, and all of a sudden, you you know, Nick Saban's agent is talking to Texas, and he might leave, and the president stepped in of the university and basically said, "Hey, you you can answer to me." 
At least that's what I was told. And 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 Nick Saban, if Nick Saban's not in control, he's not going to be there. You know, and and absolutely. He, but he's the guy that drives the truck, and they should be paying attention to him. You know, when you there's been other head coaches yep. at Alabama that that are that have problems with the volleyball coach, or have problems with the gymnastics coach, or have problems with the basketball coach. Uh, Nick Saban doesn't have problems with anyone because if it wasn't for him, the athletic department wouldn't be making money. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, you got to have someone that comes into in these places and has control enough. Or maybe you have a great president, you know, like Alabama did, that's smart enough to say, hey, you know what, this – Obviously, you know, you may be good at your job in some areas, um, although I didn't think Bill Battle was a, a good athletic director. We wouldn't know because when you win football games, no one cares, you know. That's very true. Um, very true. But it, well, I, you know, I can take you all I can take you all the way back when Coach Bryant and Dr. Rose were there together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Coach Bryant, I mean, I mean, of course, he was the athletic director, too, if you recall. Yeah. Uh, in those days. And then, of course, he could – Divvy up the scholarships any way he wanted to, but he knew, and Dr. Rose knew exactly, as a president of the university, where the money came from for winning football games. And, and Coach Bryant knew that, so he didn't hesitate moving scholarships from one department over to another uh, to get, you know, basically to get the, enough talented athletes to put his program on the map, and he did it and won. And nobody said a word about it. Nope, 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 nope. Well, you you always look good when you're winning football and making money, and that's where Alabama is, and that's what everybody else is trying to do. One school that's done a nice job of that, that's always competitive, is Ohio State. Uh, they're ranked third yep. right now. Uh, they were blowing out Indiana, who came in ranked ninth. Both teams were undefeated. And then something happened, and Indiana turned it up. Uh, and and yep. couldn't couldn't quite get there to beat Ohio State. Forty two thirty five was the final. Uh, but even with the win, Justin Fields and the Buckeyes definitely showed uh, that, that there's some weakness here. Agreed, agreed. But so is everybody else. Right now, that's why I think Alabama is head and shoulders of everybody else. I've watched Clemson. I've watched Notre Dame. I've watched Ohio State. Uh, you know, we don't know much beyond that who who may end up there. I know Northwestern had a good game yesterday. Uh, we know that I think the committee would love to see Oregon of Southern Cal uh, come back up. But uh, nobody's got the problem that Alabama's got right now. Uh, the number of players that can play, the number of coaches that obviously can coach. Uh, is doing a remarkable job on that offense. And, uh, and Coach Saban lets them run it because he's he's got the problem. Now, Ohio State situation, I just read what Coach Dave said the other day, that was the best coaching job in America. Well, I think it's how you, how you evaluate that. Certainly, as you pointed out earlier, they come, they, you know, they come on board every year, a top-rated program. But uh, if, if you don't have enough players that can play week in and week out, then it's not the best coaching job in the country. Maybe the best one he's ever had. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's some out there I think uh, could be better. Uh, you know, and I agree. I, I think they got it a little bit exposed yesterday. I don't know whether they, they took the foot off the gas or what, but um, Indiana showed them showed some weakness, exposed some weakness for for the opponents that's going to play them in the, in the playoffs. I can promise you. Yeah, Michael Penix Jr. 
almost 500 yards. He was 27 of 51, five touchdowns against the Buckeyes, 491 yards. The other game, and, and you kind of touched on this, that I want to bring up in the Big Ten is, and, and really this is all just because these are the teams that could you know, face Alabama in, in a college football playoff matchup if the tide gets there. 17-7, Wisconsin got beat by Northwestern. Northwestern's now 5-0, and and they have an easy road now to get to the, right. the uh, Big Ten championship game. This program was awful last year. At least the team was. They lost all those games. And you know what? They, they've got – they Fitz has those those uh those cats playing some football. I'm surprised because I thought Wisconsin was uh, was going to play better than this, but Northwestern with that win, I mean, uh, they're going to shoot up when the when the uh, polls come out. They were ranked 19th. I got to think that they're they've got to be you know ninth eighth in the country right now, maybe even a little bit higher. Well, it's going to be interesting to see though because what Wisconsin had played but two ball games. Did have they had two? Yeah, they were they down got, two and one now. At yeah. least two. Yeah, uh, yeah, two, two uh, postponed games. Uh, and, and I wonder though if that five and zero record doesn't represent maybe not really quality opponents every week. That's right. what I think the next thing you have to look at, and I think the committee will look at that as well. Uh, that, that's they're going to jump. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I, I would be surprised if they jump to the. See, we know who the top eight are. The top eight didn't, is not going to change from last week. All of them won, or they didn't play. Uh, A&M and Clemson didn't play. Right. Uh, now, I, I don't know about you. What is your feeling, uh, Mick, about if, do you remain the same if you don't play and, and another team that's slightly below you plays and wins and wins big? Yeah. Do they not jump those people? Well, uh, I got this answer for you. They're ranked 11th now, so they did move up some. But you're right, they weren't a top-10 team. And I don't know that you're supposed to move, Max, up or down if you don't play. But what we've learned with Kyle Trask in Florida is when you do play and no one else is playing, all of a sudden you get all that attention. And I think, like, right. as far not, – I mean, not quite the standings, but, I mean, look, even Florida's ahead of, of Texas A&M in one of the polls, and they, they were beaten by them. Uh, and right. so, you know what? I mean, I guess if, if you are off and someone else is playing well, then it's kind of a double whammy against you. Yeah. That, yeah. I think it is. I, 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 I have a, I guess so long I've stayed in that business and, and, you know, looked at the polls every Sunday to see how they came out on, looked at who won. And I think the polls in those days came out at six o'clock on Sunday night. But now, but remember, we have another set of polls coming out on Tuesday right. this week. And that is from the committee that does the selection for uh, the playoffs. I'll be very, very interested. That's, I think, it's uh, 6 o'clock Central Time uh, on ESPN on, on Tuesday night. I'll be anxious to see who they have at number like 4, 5, and 6. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's extremely hard. If you're below 6 and you play in a competitive schedule and you play, you know, you're undefeated or one loss up to number 6, uh, somebody out of – in that top six is going to be the top four, I believe. Right. And that's going to be interesting. Even though, I'm, you know, you've heard me say before, I'm not a, a, I'm not a, 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 in favor of having two teams from the same conference. Uh, I just think that, you know, the team that wins the conference ought to be in the playoffs. And that is one of the criteria. Uh, but now how far they, you know, they evaluate that this year, uh, we'll have to just wait and see. 
Michigan State, Minnesota, Illinois left on the schedule for Northwestern. They could very easily run that schedule and get into the college football uh, – excuse me, the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State. But one team, Max, that I want to talk to you about, and you're, you're mentioning this college football playoff. One team that you did not mention, though – is the Cincinnati Bearcats out of the American Conference. They're, they're, they won again. They beat Central Florida. They had to come from behind to do it, 36-33. This team is ranked seventh right now, behind Texas A&M, behind Florida. Um, some people are saying that maybe these guys are going to end up in that college football playoff if they go unbeaten. Well, I think, I think that here's going to be the decision is if they go unbeaten, it'll be either them or a conference with two teams, whether it be Notre Dame and Clemson or Alabama and Florida, uh, you know, or A&M, if A&M slips in there. So I, I, I think they're that close. I really do. I watched part of that ball game, But the time I was watching, they were behind the whole time. And then they came back and won against Central Florida at the end. Uh, I, I'll tell you, we've talked about that. You know, what about BYU? Well, they're at number eight, I believe. Uh, I mean, they hammered North Alabama. They, 60, they scored 60-plus last night against North Alabama, but they should. Uh, they got, they're undefeated. They got a good – and by the way, Zach Wilson, their quarterback, is probably moving into that four slot right now for the Heisman. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be very, very interesting. But I, I'll say one of those teams, if it's in Cincinnati's rate, you know, ranked the highest right now. I, I think if they stay undefeated – then it's going to be determined by the committee is that is their schedule strong enough to compete with the teams like to have two teams from the ACC or the SEC to come in to make that number four slot. I think it helps them that Luke Fickle, the head coach of the Bearcats, turned down some major jobs last year, according to reports, including Michigan State, because he knew he was going to have a good team. Uh, they finished right. the season up against uh, Tulsa, right? Is it? And then that's it. Uh, if they win those next two games, they're going to be beaten on the door to try to get into this um, Tulsa. Uh, excuse me, uh, they, they win that game, um, and, and that's a, that's a ranked team. You know, they're always pretty good. Um, then, I mean, I think they have a chance, but I think you're right too. You know, it's going to be tough to take them when these other teams are playing all conference schedules. And every single right. week's a tough game. I mean, you look at, at Florida and Texas A&M. I mean, they're playing these all-SEC schedules. Uh, Vanderbilt, if, if Vanderbilt was in the American Conference, you know, I think they'd probably win all but maybe a couple games. They probably could. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think – I think – but I, I, here's what I compare it to. Go back when Boise State was running, you know, winning like crazy. When Central Florida, you know, they proclaimed themselves a national champion <laughs> anyway – because they had a really, really good football team. And uh, that was when uh, Scott Frost was there before we went to Nebraska. And, uh, you know, and, and they, they, were, they were at where Cincinnati is now. And, uh, and the committee overlooked them as well. So I think it's going to be a determination. Now, 2020 is completely different. You know, we know that. You know, you're excited about the scheduling, for, the, for example, for the SEC and, and the ACC. They all played within the conference itself. And now do they – you know, do they concern themselves with Cincinnati's strength of schedule to play, uh, you know, go undefeated and, and compete with the team? Uh, like a, they'd come in at four at best. That means they'd probably have to end up starting off playing Alabama. And uh, is that a competitive game? Do they, you know, is that, does that warrant a playoff slot or not? I know getting there is a reward, 
But, you know, once you get there, you, you're going to try to, you know, make a showing somewhere. And I just wonder how the networks would feel about that. What if Cincinnati and BYU just – you know, with everything going on right now, what if they just schedule the game against each other? Cincinnati 7th oh, and BYU's 8th yeah. in the AP right now. Oh, yeah. Listen, wouldn't that be a great lead-in game? <laughs> you know, have, have that like a 2.30 game in the afternoon and have a championship game. I mean, have a – a uh, playoff game at eight yeah. that night. Man, what a, what a great weekend! Yeah, they should do it. I mean, look, they they could do it, and and if you, you one of those teams wins that football game, and all of a sudden that gives them that instant credibility that they need to get into the college Absolutely. football playoff. Uh, I'd love to see yeah. it. You know, it's everything's open this year because of COVID, and and you were talking about, and I'm going to let you kind of go back into this a second. Uh, the Clemson Florida State game, you know, there there were a, you know a, almost half of more than half of the games in the SEC were canceled last week, right? We had some games canceled this week, right? We, it, and it's going through the country again right now. I mean, it's like it's like the flu. I mean, this is a this COVID is it's you're, you might get it, you know, and that's just the way it is. You got to be careful, wash your hands. You can do all that and still get it. And people are getting it, and they're getting it in big numbers. They're not dying like they were before, but still, people do die from it. Um, and it's dangerous. At, at the same time, you know that they fly. You know, Clemson flies down to Florida State. You're taking tests all week, and then you get down there, and they cancel the game. Um, you think that Florida State ought to pay for the travel? No doubt about that. Now, here's another thing that that did pop in my head as I started reading those facts: is that Florida State was a 35 and a half point underdog. Now, look, I've been involved with Florida State since the 80s. I'll ever remember them being a 35-point underdog to anybody, Mm -hmm. anywhere. And, you know, I'm not saying they use that as an excuse. I know they got the conference rules they go by by the number of kids, you know, are eligible. I I know, but it sure, it just looked quite suspicious to wait that long to call the Friday night before kickoff to call the ball game when the other team's already in town. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just find it uh, very unusual. Let's put it that way. So that's neither here nor there. Clemson's back home. Uh, Clemson's got, what, two ball games they've got to make up as well. And and I just wonder, though, as they get closer uh, for those those conferences like the SEC and ACC that play 10 games or more, uh, will, will they worry about having to make up one game? Right. The, the committee came out last week and said, as long as you've got six games uh, on the schedule you played, then you qualify, regardless of what loss. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I honestly, Max, since I left spring training with the Cubs, um, and I thought that we were flattening the curve and that we were going to be back to work. This was in March, in a couple weeks. Yep. Uh, I thought, oh, we'll, we'll be back here soon. Um, no, it, it, I've been wrong about everything. I didn't think they were going to cancel <laughs> the minor league baseball season. I didn't think they were going to cancel the major league baseball season. I didn't think we weren't going to play football for a while. You know, thank goodness we have. Um, so yep. I, I'm definitely, when it comes to like predicting things with COVID, um, very bad at that handicapping, but. You know, I, I just – I hope that we just continue to keep forging along, you know, and, and, and saying who's going to yeah, get in I, and how many games, I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, I, I don't think any of us do because here's, here's what's happened. Because each, you'd like to say each conference can make their – but it boils down to each state. Yeah. That's why if you look at some of the things in the Big Ten, 
where Michigan, the state of Michigan, where Michigan, Michigan State, I mean, they got a 21. If you, you show up positive, you got to sit 21 days mm-hmm. uh, in the Big Ten, not 14 or 10 like they are in other conferences in other states. So I think that there's no there's no uniformity uh, about the the rules I guess that we're playing under right now, and because the politics are involved at such a high level in each, each one of these states, regardless of what conference you're playing in. So I, I do think that they literally have to go almost week by week, uh, because the Georgia Mississippi State is another perfect example. Uh, they, the SEC said 54 scholarship players have to be a, be available. Mississippi State went into Athens with 49 and allowed them to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I respect that. You know, get out there and play these games. Yeah, I and agree. they almost beat them. Right. At least they were they were pretty close to it. <laughs> well, yeah, Max, we normally – They played very competitive. Oh, no doubt. We don't normally talk about the next week's game, but this one is so important. I'm going to wrap our show up this week talking about the Iron Bowl. I mentioned that the 96 Iron Bowl – was my first Alabama game. You know, that was uh, an amazing game, 24-23. Freddie Kitchens took Alabama down the field at the end of the game, ranked at number 15, and stunned Auburn. Gene Stallings, 5-2 and two as Alabama's head coach against the Tigers. Do you have any Iron Bowl memories? How many? You got a ton of them, huh? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, listen, I've been – yeah, but remember, though – at that level on those days. Uh, now, when I was a high school kid, uh, even if, when I was in school, if our season was over, then I was uh, I was sitting, you know, trying to trying to watch that. We had television in those days, but we'd just gotten it, by the way, when I was yeah. in high school. But uh, but no, I I, don't, I I probably saw a half a dozen in my career. Now, of course, now that I'm out, obviously, I'm you know, I'm a what I've gotten to the point where I do better sitting at home. It might be in by myself with the TV because I'm, I'm I still got enough coaching in me. I'm screaming to the TV sometimes. <laughs> uh, Particular when you get a kid running down the field wide open, not, not defense back in sight, man. I because that's where I coach most of the time at that level. I understand what happened, and uh, and I saw some of that yesterday. By the way, I saw two or three teams that the defensive back coach just didn't have in the right position, but uh, very competitive. Uh, probably nothing like it anywhere else in the country. Max, it's been fun, man. Let's do it again next Sunday. I'll be glad to do it, Big. Just give me a call anytime, my friend. All right, that's Max Howe, Coach Max Howe, legendary radio voice in the SEC. I'm Mick Gillespie. Thanks for watching, or excuse me, thanks for listening to the Max and Mick podcast. All right, man.